0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with JJ Martin, founder and creative director of Milan-based fashion and home goods brand, La Double J. Many fashion brands have launched home decor since the start of the pandemic, so I wanted to ask JJ about the advantage of having an established presence in the category. Plus, I'm dying to dig into the brand's marketing strategy, which seems very focused on self-care can a fashion brand be a wellness brand? Welcome, JJ. Hi, Jill. Thank
1: you. So happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to
0: have you here. Where are you right now? Are you in Milan?
1: I am in Milan in my living room, and my dog is safely ensconced in the kitchen, so she will not interrupt this podcast.
0: Oh, but it could have made for some cuteness.
1: I know, but she 'd be snoring the entire time, so i didn 't want to interfere with your 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 sound
0: thanks, this will be very professional <laughs> but yes you 've been in Milan since throughout two thousand and twenty. Tell me about your experience there uh, yeah, I mean, has it been stressful? I would say I would guess
1: well, actually, I have been in Milan since two thousand and one, so it 's been a twenty year almost a twenty year roller coaster. Um But I will say that the pandemic brought on a whole new level of um, profound introspection and depth. i mean I always say that Italy has been one of my greatest teachers yep. um you know i have a I have a strong spiritual practice, and we always look for these gurus and these teachers and these wise ones. And sometimes it's just the country you live in and the culture and the people and new ways of doing things that really, really teach you. So Italy coming from New York in 2001 was a very, very big smack in the face, um, very big change. And certainly during COVID that, you know, once I found my, my balance, you know, and then, then COVID hits... Um, so that, yeah, it's been hard for everyone and also really rewarding in a lot of ways.
0: Yes. In what ways? What have you learned about your leadership style, about yourself? What have you experienced? Yeah. What, what, if we can name some perks to come out of all of this. Yeah. I
1: actually had a massive perk at the very beginning. I moved into a brand new apartment one week before we got the government, um, mandate to, stay inside our homes and Italy's for, you know, Italy was the first to go into lockdown after Asia. And the rules were so intense. You literally could not leave your home, uh, except to get groceries or go to the pharmacy for medicine. So luckily I had a dog. So I was out, um, letting her go to the park twice a day, which was a huge benefit. But you know, this was the first time in my life that I was in an empty space all alone, with no one around me, and it was profound. I had a huge upgrade in my own spiritual practice, and I think a lot of that just had to do with the fact that I shut up for once (laughs) and just uh, sat still for a prolonged period of time, which is really what all of us need to do in order to let these higher aspects of ourselves come forth. At the same time, my company was... Melting down, as all retail businesses were at that time, all fashion companies were, and probably still are. Um, There was a lot of stress on the team, um, a lot of anxiety. We weren't weren't really sure, you know, how we were going to pay people, etc. So, um, you know what that taught me? Uh, First of all, we got, we started getting really creative. Um, Started introducing new products uh, lower priced items i did a whole line of t-shirts that were based on the pandemic like hope has not been cancelled and ready to resurrect and nice um, yeah we did so many t-shirts like this um, and I really you know i, I will say that the, the the this internal work I was doing on myself to ground myself to root myself to really um, stay focused on this like higher, this really infused into the company itself. And I was able to stay very calm in that period and to do what I do best, which is actually to inspire people. So when I get caught up in the gunk and the muck of dealing with crises and, and pa- pan, like, I was going to say pandemics, but uh, no more like panic zones, you know, we can, we can move really easily into that phase of, judgment and criticism and looking at everything that's going wrong and the minute you go there you sort of it's a death trap for the creative process so I got really lucky that I was in this sort of altered state for three months and it was a highly creative time and uh, not only for our products but also for and not only for my spiritual practice but then I sort of kind of blended the two and you know I've been doing a lot of writing about my own experience and emotions and energy stuff that I've been um, going into for the last like six to seven years that I've been studying all this stuff. But this was the first time during the pandemic that I really sat down and addressed our double j audience and started talking about mental health and tools and tips and tricks that I have found to be instrumental in improving my state of mind, improving my, um, relationship with myself. And that was really amazing to see the way that people reacted to that, to see how many people were interested in that. And I never expected to do that. And, um, I never imagined a place for spirituality inside a fashion brand, but I'm just getting feedback from our clients, our, our, our shoppers, our women, our community, that, that that's also something that really means a lot to them. So it's a pleasure to share it.
0: Yes. Were you always kind of the face of the brand or were you always out there um, connecting with them one-on-one? And yeah, what was the conversation like before the pandemic?
1: So I was always the face of the brand and actually I started this company selling vintage clothing and vintage jewelry online. And I was profiling Many of the creative women in Milan that during my 15 years as a journalist, I was writing for um, many different magazines and on staff for Harper's Bazaar and the Wall Street Journal and Wallpaper Magazines. Those are traditional media outlets that really focus on advertisers and making sure that you're doing your 20th um, profile on Giorgio Armani, (laughs) etc., and I, who I love, by the way, um, love all those designers, but it was really fun for me to shine the light on the Italian women who were doing remarkable things and also just unveiling the magic that happens behind the scenes in an, a very chic, refined Italian household. Uh, the way that they were like folding their sheets and the way that they actually the, the way they were ironing their sheets and uh, organizing all of the table I found it super inspiring. And I was I was very present, but in with the brand, but purely on a, you know, an image level, you know, wearing the clothes and being in the photo shoots and having my hair and makeup done. And now if you go onto my Instagram, it's, like, me with puffy eyes, no makeup, and I'm, like, talking about how to, like, unblock your chakras. Yes. So Double J, the, the the Instagram for Double J is still very much about the fashion and homeware. And mine is all about ascension.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, they must be engaging. They what, What's been the response? You said that they're, you know, maybe surprised, but they're seeing it and commenting. Or are, are they – joining the conversation. Are they sharing their own experience in in the pandemic? What's happening?
1: Yeah, they are. And a lot, you know, the craziest stuff is what goes on behind the scenes. I get hundreds of direct messages from women saying, thank you so much. And then sharing their own experience, asking for advice, what, how to start a spiritual practice. It's pretty unbelievable, actually. And then that gave birth to the, when we kind of came out of the pandemic and um, being around more people, I started, uh, hosting our own wellness webinars for our communities. Um, these are, these are zoom calls, but the, in which I am either talking to them about a certain topic, like the last one I did was, um, how to open your heart space. And we did that, um, Uh, For Valentine's Day. And, you know, we get like a hundred women on Zoom and it's really, really fun and the energy is great. And and, uh, we have all these women participating in these Zooms. And the best part is like we spend the last half hour just opening up the mic and getting women to speak and share their own experiences and questions.
0: Tell me, is this for the brand? Is this the direction you are going to be focused on wellness? You are going to be. Um, promoting um, ways, I guess, means to wellness. And also you're going to be making some more affordable t-shirts. Is this the way forward? <laughs> well, a hundred percent. Those t-shirts are fantastic. You know, and also one of, uh, uh, well,
1: you know, it all is this like big meal, you know, lots of ingredients, lots of plates, lots of spices, all of these different things to make the nutritious, fabulous fully fragrant and flavorful meal that you want to ingest. And I have always told people I want to do way more than just sell people a dress. And the other thing I tell people is that, you know, I just had a, a interview today for our fall collection with Vogue Runway. And at, on some levels, I even hesitate um, to do those, to be on Vogue Runway and to, and to kind of, um, not because they're not fabulous and they are, but it's almost like this pressure of um, subscribing to the old um, traditional rules yeah. of, you know, needing to uh, look a certain way, be a certain way, do the right things in order to fit into the fashion system. And I just think there's people that do that so much better than than I do. And I would never claim to be one of these St. Martin's trained, incredibly talented designers like a raph Simmons or uh, um, you know all everyone basically you know a Balenciaga etc mm-hmm. that's doing like couture level fashion that's not what we're doing I'm not a runway based brand'll we'll we never get on the runway and try to compete in that arena I think it's really important to understand like what your core gift is and that's not my gift but I think I have a gift for communication. I have a gift of empathy. I really feel into what people need and what they're saying and what they feel. And, um, and I have a real gift for color and print. And I've always had this my whole life. I've always been attracted to color and shine and sparkle and brightness and living in Italy for these last 20 years. Again, another teacher, uh, another teaching element is just being around the chicest people on the planet, <laughs> it really starts training your eye. Yes. So that that's really, you know, what I think that, that we're gifted at.
0: Yes. Speaking of kind of the established fashion system, I was going to ask you kind of what your plans are for introducing your fall collection to the world. Right now, we're seeing this at the fashion, at, we saw this at New York Fashion Week. It's Fashion Month. Do you typically play into Fashion Month um, in your own way?
1: Yes, of course we do. I mean, First of all, I'm a huge cheerleader for everyone in fashion. Just because I don't, you know, want to be on the runway, et cetera, doesn't mean like I eschew the system. Like it's great. Are you kidding? Me? I used to be a journalist. I know almost all of these designers. They're fabulous people. I am extremely inspired by other creative people. I, I just see myself as more of a cheerleader on the sides, and I want to be friends with everyone. And I, and you know, I always have this yearly Thanksgiving party in Milan um in which I invite like all these designers it's this bit, like I, my house is the one where everyone is welcome nice. and this is how I love to look at the fashion industry as a very inclusive place just like for our consumers it's a very inclusive place and I feel that way within the industry so nice um during fashion week what we love to do is our thing i mean we are a fully independent company. My ex-husband and I are the only investors in this. And so we have been very, you know, cautious up until now. We're not big money spenders. We don't have the fancy budgets and the splashy parties, but we do everything with, like, creativity. I had, like, a women's march down the streets of Via Monte Napoleone that then, like, got on the business of fashion. We did a... We had a marching band in, and dancers inside Milan's Galleria, which is this like uh, right next to the Duomo. This 19th century is the first mall in Europe. Um, and we had like crazy music and dancers. And it was kind of like a a pop-up fashion show, but so joyful. I was dancing like crazy. I had my <laughs> like baby puppy with me, you know. So we want to participate, but we want to do things in a way that feels different from everyone else. And I, and I think that that is just around the joy factor. This is, I always like to say this company is about raising your vibration and you do that with love and you do that with like pure enthusiasm.
0: Yes. Are you showing, like you want to stay to that seasonal calendar. You want to be showing fall when others are showing fall. Um, Have you considered the see now buy now model? Yeah. I mean, we
1: launched as a direct to consumer business um, so I started selling vintage, um, and then a year later when the stock ran out, basically, I realized how difficult it is to continuously, um, reassort and, you know, you only have one piece. And so I started making new clothes with vintage prints and I started super slowly just with one dress. Um, everything we do, um, is with historic italian manufacturers which i feel super proud about and it's and it's an amazing um, platform that's really grown um because now we do it everything from the ready to wear to Murano glass made in venice and porcelains made in verona and you know so on and so forth but um we started very small and we were direct to consumer and matches was our first clients so we launched with matches and on our own website and that was by now where now and with them for the first like six months we did that but then the minute you start getting wholesalers on board like the minute bird came on board and bon marche and the webster which were like our top you know first three big clients after matches you know they're on a schedule so you 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 know if you want to do business with them you have to conform to that. And so that was a real big challenge and it was also challenging to find people to work inside my company that could think outside of that box because that box is what everyone in the fashion industry subscribes to agrees with and it's hard to find like radical free thinkers. I have to say my ex-husband is amazing in this and he was so adamant about us doing our own thing keeping the like keeping the prices low the margins low you know every time we work with a, a new wholesale account they always complain about it you know and but really what we're trying to do is like offer a beautiful, made-in-Italy, luxurious product that is at a fair price to the final customer.
0: Do you find that those wholesale partners, they're flexible because they want to work with you? Do they kind of, yes, bend?
1: they do and it was really funny i was just talking to one uh the other day who was remarking she was like yeah you guys are a pain in the ass <laughs> but like in a good way you know and and the other thing that we don't do jill is that we do not go on sale our we do not put our merchandise on sale on our website and we have really strict rules with our retail partners about how they put things on sale and This is so important for young businesses and small businesses, because you can get obliterated by this whole sale thing. It really eats into your brand um, value and proposition. And people will just wait until the sale happens. So isn't it better to just offer the fair price at the beginning and not screw people over who felt like, why did I buy that dress at full price? And now it's like, $300 less or $500 less. It just feels really weird.
0: Yes, for sure. So a lot of people are pulling out of wholesale partners. Is it just about working those partnerships right? And what's your kind of ideal breakdown between selling direct versus selling through, through other retailers? Yeah,
1: I think that the strategy that we employ is not necessarily quantity of partners, but quality. Matches has been such a wonderful partner and someone who, you know, from the beginning with Ruth Ruth Chapman, she was guiding me and advising me. And then she left and like, her buying director, I, I mean, I had to call her up and be like, well, what do you think? Should we be doing this? What do you want? Like, you know, and once you really develop that relationship, they know what they need. They, they almost became like merchandisers for us. They were so great. And, but especially because like they would come and I would get so excited. We would do a lunch together and they loved it and went full in and really deep. And that is the mark of like a true partner where it gets a little like silly are these um smaller stores that just make the like a small buy and then drop you and then and or or the sort of more like I don't know generic bigger stores that are just like oh and then we're gonna have a, a a cocktail in our store to drive people into the into the onto the sales floor which who wants to go into a store for a cocktail party? Okay. Nobody wants to do that. That is very 1999. It is time to rethink the entire retail experience. And that's what's been cool with matches. I mean, when when we did our event at their townhouse, I brought my Qigong master from Bali and we did like one-on-one energy sessions with journalists, with their clients. And we did this like energy week. You know, I feel like that's what people want,
0: you know, energy week. It's the new fashion week. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know you've done your own pop ups. Tell me about your approach to, I guess, owned physical retail. Um, what, What was your approach? And are you still is that coming up in the future? Obviously, not now. That is coming up,
1: you know, so we're working towards something and I can't give the info on that right now, but hold this space. I think that uh, when we do that, I'm really looking forward to, especially in Milan, where the retail environment, everything is so glossy and polished and conservative, traditional in a way. I think it'll be really fun for us to do something that that feels different. And, um, you know, we are a different company and, and for sure, I'm going to want to see how much we can merge these events that we've been doing online into a space in the store that's dedicated for that kind of gathering. I think, you know, women, women have a history, an ancient history of gathering in a circle and this is something that means that I aware of, I have found a lot of healing, a lot of breakthroughs, and it would be great to sort of start to blur those lines and start to to make that happen. And this is not about showing up at a party, like photo ready for that photo service, well, Getty or whoever it is, you know, um, this is really about community, and, but in the truest sense of the word, like really coming together and finding a connection beyond what we look like.
0: Yes. Would you throw caution to the wind and a permanent or I guess a long-term lease or is everything kind of short-term and it's too risky to, to go there in terms of a permanent store?
1: Well, I feel like maybe Double J needs one of those, yeah. you know, that feels more like our headquarter and home. And then in terms of the rest of the world, Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I believe in this idea that you need to plant your flag in a permanent shop all over the world. I, yeah. I also think that the more stores you have that are like that, the less special it becomes when you do have that one place that is kind of like that physical manifestation of your brand. Um, I also think it's really interesting, you know, with our homeware, we've been talking about doing contract for hotels and restaurants. There's so many other ways to kind of penetrate and to bring the awareness out there. You know, we've done it up until now. Our pop ups have been unusual. Our very first one was with the Hotel Pelicano, which is like the greatest (laughs) hotel in all of Italy. And it was so fun fun to do that there with them. And then we did a whole content portion on Marie Louise Show who's the owner of the hotel and um, awesome it, it's just fun, yeah, and then she then, when we had to do something at Burdorf's, we invited the Pelicano to come with us, and so she flew her bartender out from the hotel, and he was making pelican martinis for everybody, <laughs> and we set up the bar in the middle of Burdorf Goodman, we had photos of Porto Ercole all over and you know those are the kinds of things that I really have more fun with. This
0: is not a 90s cocktail party. Yes, that sounds spectacular yeah. for sure. Well talk me through. let's circle back to 2009. What was the draw to Milan? It was all about the vintage clothing, the the gosh, I say traditional um, craftsmanship what what, what drove what drove you there in the first place?
1: So I moved to Milan in 2001 for like the most cliched reason, which is love. Every American or, or expat woman that landed in Italy at that time was there for a boyfriend, husband, whatever. And that was the case for me. Um, I left my job in New York. I was working at Calvin Klein and I moved to Milan. I didn't know anyone and I didn't have a job. So I spent three months in intensive Italian classes Full on. I had um, three teachers a day, one-on-one, two hours each. And after like three months, I could kind of speak the language. And um, so I was trying to find a job in marketing, which is what I had done at Calvin. And at that time in Italy, there were the word marketing did not exist in fashion companies and they didn't know what I was talking about. They didn't understand what my experience was. I couldn't like fit into the Italian mold. And so because of that, and this is like, this is one of my favorite in
0: Paris of you. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's actually a great lesson because when we think like, you know, the world is crumbling, we're not finding a job, like all that experience I have is worthless suddenly like I created a journalism career out of Nothing and I started at rock bottom with this hilarious online fashion news service called fashion wire daily, which at the time was like, you know, it was like the first online fashion portal and but the italians didn't understand it; they didn't even have websites They didn't even know what the, they barely knew what the internet was They didn't, you know, I wasn't invited. I barely got tickets to the show and I had to like write the review. I mean, it was hilarious. And so I started at rock bottom, but then, you know, slowly and actually quite swift, you know, just if you stick to what is in front of you and you do the best job possible with that, you will rise like this is it was such a learning lesson for me but it was unbelievable the doors that opened and how quickly they did once I stopped complaining stopped comparing myself to like what I where I should be and I just hunkered down and did an awesome job and then people take note you get noticed so that was a huge learning curve. And
0: you transitioned this amazing journalism career to your brand. Talk to me about what, first of all, I feel like, you know, they don't make clothes like they used to, but what What can you tell me about your passion for vintage and how that translated to your, your own line? A hundred
1: percent, they do not make clothes the way they used to. I will just tell you that right now. And that was one of the reasons why I was so fascinated with vintage because I couldn't believe that like, the gown and Valentino that cost 20,000 euro that was embroidered. The one that I got at the flea market for 300 bucks that was embroidered in the 1960s in Hong Kong, which by the way, in the sixties and seventies, the embroideries in Hong Kong were like out of this world. It was so fabulous. Like everyone was doing their embroideries there Um, from, you know, Saint Laurent Mm -hmm. to, Oscar de la Renta, everyone was doing these things. And, and the workmanship is incredible. And I couldn't believe the difference in quality. And, and, you know, and and a lot of that is just because in a good way, I think that, um, globalization has shined the light on all of these Um, nations. And it's more and more important, this transparency that we have now in terms of where the clothes are being made and how they're being made. And uh, there's a, a lot of brands that cut corners today. And I would be very, I mean, I always tell this to people, like if you're buying really cheap clothes, someone is suffering somewhere along the line to make that happen. And it's either a river that's suffering with like the toxic dump that just happened in there or it's a woman that is being abused in some way uh not being paid properly there's so many things that go into it and so um one of the things that you know it just happened naturally that i focused on italy because first of all i was like i'm doing vintage and i'm focusing on these amazing italian women now i'm going to work with this italian archive in lake como to do this first collection oh actually the Italians are great. Like I'm going to do everything in Italy. And you know what, this is what it's all about. Like, and this was at a time in 2015, when I launched the website, Italy was really starting to feel the crunch from Asia and from China and the competition there, because making things in Asia is like four times less expensive. I mean, it's like remarkable. And a lot of factories were closing, mills were closing and it kind of became my pursuit to sort of cheerlead for Milan, cheerlead for Italians. And we started doing a lot of co-branding, you know, whereas a lot of these, these uh, suppliers that I was working with, um, the, the silk factory, for example, Mantero Setta, they've been around for 120 years and not a single fashion brand has ever called them out. I was the first one to say, we're making this with Mantero Silk, like, We did a little hang tag. This print came from their archive talking about them. And, and that's just amazing. And, and, and we started doing that with all of our suppliers and then it just becomes so much more, this is what it is to, to be in the feminine energy, which is a way more collective approach rather than a singular, I am God, I am King and everyone serves me. Right. It's a different mentality.
0: It sounds like a much nicer mentality. <laughs> can you tell yeah. me about your your brand? You were talking about um, the fact that, yes, self-funded, um, don't like to spend a lot. First of all, how large is your team? And can yeah, what can you share about the state of the company?
1: So I'm really happy to report that we, I mean, this last month, we have had record sales on our website and we're doing really, really well. Um, with our direct-to-consumer business, Thanks. it has grown in leaps and bounds. Uh, I have 30 full-time employees and then I have a whole roster of consultants, whether, you know, that, that that's my PR team globally uh, or it's consultants on certain product categories. Yes. And we, uh, you know, we had to go dark for like a six-week period during the pandemic in which, like the whole company just like went to sleep for six weeks, but then we like roared back. I didn't fire anyone.
0: Amazing. We kept,
1: uh, you know, it was really important to me to like do that in the correct way. You know, we had to sort of, uh, everyone kind of took a month or two of salary cuts. You know, we had to kind of figure out the, the financials to like make that work. But you know, especially after I heard from colleagues and friends that work at really big businesses and heard what they were doing and how so many people were just fired, Yep, (laughs) just you're out, you know, we're, we just are going to slash and burn. And again, like I I tried to take the most humane approach to a difficult situation. I think it's really paid off. And for a lot of us, it's just like, you know, can we do it? And and I think a lot of this moment is like, you know what? This is about belief and faith yeah. in the the process of life and allowing things to fall down that need to fall down, and really nurturing the things that 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 want to grow. And I and I feel like our company is like that. It want. It, I really feel like it's this garden that is growing.
0: Nice. Are you guys going back to an office setting? Is that coming? this year?
1: Yeah. So we have been, um, since actually July there, we have been like on rotation in the office. So there are, you know, 30 of us can't all be there at the same time, especially because my office, you know, our, the company mushroomed and the office space did not. And so we don't have that much space. So we try to keep everyone on rotation I go into the office almost every day, and then I meet with different people. Um, but I'm not there, let's say, for like nine hours a day, like I used to be. Um, I might just go for a half day or this day. But I'm, I find it very important to be with people physically, and I think that the pandemic has opened up so many digital possibilities for us and i think that's incredible that now we know we can come together on zoom and that's amazing but that will never substitute human touch looking at someone in the face in the eyes feeling them and really sensing what's going on and the power that comes together when you're in a group setting It's just like a, it's like a vortex. It's amazing. And um, so I'm really looking forward to getting back to that.
0: Yes. What are people buying now? Is it home, home stuff? Like I would think. So
1: we also, I think one of the things that got us through the pandemic was the fact that we had a really strong home collection. It was flying off the shelves, like no one was buying dresses and everyone wanted to have a set of plates or napkins or (laughs) Murano glasses. So that was so encouraging and it really gave a lift and a boost to a part of the company that I feel really passionate about and I would say is probably the most me out of everything. Um, so home conti- we're out of stock on so many things. And it's so funny cause we're always calling our suppliers like hurry up. And you know, this is Italy. This is not China. So it's like, it takes them three months to make the plates. Like it's really, this is not fast fashion. Um, so, uh, homeware is flying. The other things are just all the super cozy stuff. We do these really great leggings and turtlenecks and this super thin, stretchy jersey material that have prints on them. And what's great is that you could sleep in them. You can lay on the couch all day in them. You could wear them as long underwear when you're skiing, which I have done. Uh-huh. You can wear them under your dresses and be like a cool girl, like, you know, more like punk look. You can do anything with these. So I think that What's working now is all that stuff that's like hybrid product that has a million different uses. Nice.
0: How are you able to kind of lean into those hot items? Did you put more market digital marketing dollars behind them for example?
1: No. We those are things that the customer decided they loved and then we started selling and then uh, this is a lot. I mean, yes, we do do a little digital marketing, but I have to say like our budgets are pretty Slim. Yeah, we do not put a lot of money in digital marketing. I mean, of course, we have some, but it's it's not a huge pour. Um, there are just certain items that you feel into, and Double J is a carryover business. So I like to test the market. Okay, so we entered. We carry over all the silhouettes that the customers have decided that they love. Nice, and then we offer them in new fabrications and new prints, and then will introduce new silhouettes and do those work? No, they didn't work or actually, you know what? I tried it on. It was really annoying, you know, mm-hmm. like it like it hurt my neck and it was too tight in the shoulder, whatever. We didn't get the fit right. You know, it's it's like a it's a real process. Um but yeah, of course we try to get the marketing dollars to support that. We try to, you know, you want to get like The gifting—I'm really a proponent of gifting women who I love rather than paying women who don't give a shit.
0: Yeah, you know. So it's really about like, really like who. This has to feel authentic. So who are some of the women? So you do you have like an um, is it an ambassador program? It's just kind of like people who you've met who you're inspired by.
1: These are all women that I have worked with in media for sure. Um, over the years, I have so many editor friends that I'm always doing things for and talking to. I know who loves your brand.
0: brand. Laura Brown loves your brand. I follow her.
1: (laughs) I adore Laura. You know, she and I worked at Harper's Bazaar together for years. So that's a perfect example. And then she called me and she's like, we've got this in style badass project. Will you do something? And so I made the t-shirt that said, bigger the heart, batter the ass, you know, and then, and then we did that slogan on a pair of sweatpants on the butt, you know, bigger the heart, better the ass sweatshirt t-shirt. So Laura's a great supporter. Christina O'Neill at the wall street journal is a great supporter. Um, Sarah Harris and Ellie Pithers at Vogue UK have been amazing.
0: Awesome.
1: um, yeah, Nicole Fritton at Bazaar. I, they're just... Those are all, like, my girlfriends and people that I genuinely love and spend time with. But even women that work at other fashion companies, like Mathilde Favier from uh, Dior, is, like, a big supporter. And so is... Nice. um So is Marie Louise from the Pelicano. She has done, like, remarkable stuff. Alex Eagle in the UK, huge supporter and fan. Um... I've done a lot, I mean, even Martina Mondadori, you know, with Cabana magazine, we support each other. I love what she does on homeware. She wears our clothes. Um, I love, you know, Gucci Westman, the makeup artist. She's been a huge supporter and Inez, the photographer, you know, and and Inez and Venute, those amazing photographers. She's great. And so we're, you know, she's always like, can't you do that in black? And, you know, so I, it's really about us like, I want this to feel real, like these women like it, you know, Marlene Rentmeister, an amazing, um, she, she's kind of like an influencer, but she's a good friend of mine from LA mm-hmm. and, uh, our husband, our, my brother and her husband are friends. And, <laughs> you know, so it's just sort of like, you have, to, you have to start where it feels truthful. Yes. You know, I'd much rather like deal with the people I know. Let it be a word of mouth thing, yes. and and then just let it fly.
0: Totally. Well, last question for you: What does growth look like for the company? Does it mean further category expansion? Does it mean leaning into fundraising? Uh, is it time for that? What What's to come in twenty twenty one, twenty two? So much.
1: Um, We recently launched, um, to the trade and it'll be in stores in May, an athleisure collection. And I think double J could do tons with this. Um, just because we, we have a great sensibility with the prints and, you know, the only person that really does that every once in a while is Stella McCartney. And I think, you know, Hey, Adidas, if you want a partnership, call me, (laughs) um, you know, we we, well, because we've done a lot of partnerships. I did one with Aqua di Parma. Um, I did one with Cartel, the furniture company. We we did one with Velextra, the handbag company. So we're always sort of working with these like historic Milanese brands or, or Italian brands. We've got a big one coming up in May with La Durée, oh, great. the uh, French uh, cafe. And so we've done cookie boxes for them, but we've also done a whole tea set you've got a teapot saucer uh teacup dessert plates and the whole thing is surrounding this theme of the tree of life and the feminine energy that i'm into so for sure collaborations i love that i love it when we and another brand can merge but you know it's really funny now that we've done all these collaborations i get like emails 10 times a day from these like tiny brands. Can we collaborate? Can we collaborate? And I'm like, guys, I can't hold you. Like I'm a tiny boat. Like I can't hold you up. Like So this is where, you know, uh, being strategic with partners that can help with our, that's how I like to, to do the visibility game is like, okay, how can we help someone? And they help us you know, by introducing us to their broader customers. I think a next step for us is also cracking the Asian market. Mm. And I already have ideas on how I want to do that. Um, I really want to start when we go into a new market by bringing fashion, homework, and wellness all together. Yes, And it's not just about one or the other, it's the complete package. It's the Trinity. And mm. I really think that we have places to grow with the, the wellness things that we're doing. I mean, um, we have, we're also, we also just did a sustainability project for a hotel in Ibiza. Oh, great. So, uh, we created this sustainable road for them and, uh, I'm in talks to lead a a week long retreat for them as well. And so I just, I feel like this is where we're really going to start you know, breaking new ground. So it's with the product for sure, like expanding it. Um, also just even the ski jackets that we've been doing, um, rather than having like, you know, really expensive, gorgeous overcoats, like let's do the puffer jackets. We're doing ski jackets that are reversible. You get two in one, you know, smart stuff our swim and our beach collection is really growing as well. And, um, I I mean, I don't know. I I feel like I have 5,000 ideas. I have book ideas. I have have all these things that are on the plate. Well, you Um, you enter
0: wellness into your world. It's like this whole new world. (laughs) The world is your oyster. JJ, this was so fun. I learned things. I learned things about myself. (laughs) This was amazing. I'm glad. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.